Over the past several months, we have been hearing rumors. War was coming. Russia was massing troops on the Ukrainian border. Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and traditional news sources kept talking about it. Then, it hit. Over the past week, a steady stream of bombings, gunfire, air power, and death has been streamed from Europe into our homes. Jesus told us there will always be wars and rumors of wars. So how do we as Christians approach this topic as it unfolds? Ted, Phil, before we jump into this, how are you guys doing? That is a loaded question, my friend. I'm feeling all the emotions these days. I am ready to talk about this topic. This is a hard topic that we're going to get into. But then prior to this, we just had a good time being in Phoenix together, which that was fun. We had the opportunity to be able to sleep in the same room together. We had a triple bunk bed and somehow you, Tanner, got the queen bed that's all by itself. And Ted and I, you know, the big guys, we got the bunk beds and somehow I got the middle bunk which was insanely difficult to get in and out with my fat body. So, you know, I'm doing good. It was good to be with you guys and uh, seeing all the people at Best Practices. It was a blast. Okay, let's let's touch on that for a second. When... Wh- I would when, love to, because I'm still kind of bitter. When leaving the house, and I'll get, I'll get to why. It's all about the game plan. I knew exactly what kind of situation I was getting myself into. I know how I am, and this might have been selfish, but it's also play to win the game. And so my move when getting to that house was, who's going to bed first? My friends. I went to bed first that night. You know why? Because I wanted to sleep in the bed. Looking back, I probably could have been a better friend than, I don't know, slept in a bunk bed. But they, I, I have to wake up in the middle of the night to go potty, and that's just a whole big thing. And I didn't want to get into that. I, I just want to figure out who got you that house, how much you paid to stay in that house. And then there was this move of like, but I deserve the bed. No, it wasn't deserve. It was. I'm going to rebuttal and who got you that house, Ted? Like, oh, you fit. make it sound oh, like no, you're no, no, no. the reason. I 100% we mooched off my dad's church, but. Hold on. They gifted us a space to stay. Yeah, they're very, they're a very generous. They were church. very kind. Yeah. I will say this. Thank there you, was plenty of, there, were, the King. there was plenty of room in the bed. I wasn't taking up the whole one, but hey, y'all made your choices. I made mine. Tanner, was, it doesn't help when you're sleeping in the middle of the bed when I walk in there. Okay, that was the middle of the night. Well, you came into the bedroom at like 2 a.m. See, I should have known this was coming. No, he was in bed by like No, 10:30. I should have known this was coming because me being the classic procrastinator having to prepare for my presentation the next day, I knew it was going to be a long night. And that's my fault. I concede. But still, dude, I'm a big guy. I will freely admit that... When I saw Tanner throw his stuff on the big bed, I immediately threw my stuff on the bottom bunk. Even though Phil's was definitely the hardest. There was no doubt they built this three-tier bunk and the middle Which bunk. Which a three-tier bunk is not a good idea. It's a horrible idea. It's Yeah, it's just weird in general. But this middle bunk, they had not made any exit strategy for because they had built up the sides just high enough for it to be stupid to get out of no matter what but i will say while the middle was the hardest the bottom one was on the ground and so you had to like lay down and kind of roll I was gonna say you it. had a roll and by the way i actually had my stuff on the very bottom bed and then you moved it yeah because my stuff was already there for mm, i don't know debatable guys I think we're really getting off on the wrong on the wrong foot here, uh, mostly because I feel guilty and, and I should apologize. So, anyways, instead of doing instead, of, Ted, how are you doing? How are things in, in Houston, in uh, Austin? Sorry, it it really is a strange time to kind of feel 
what we're feeling now, especially as we had the benefit of our age of being able to go, oh, I remember the Cold War a little bit, but not a lot. And now we have a world leader in charge of the largest arsenal of atomic weapons in the world who is hinting that he will use them. And so that, you know, that's a real new feeling. Yeah. And I, and I think with all the things that continue to happen over the last few years, we as a church and as people of faith, we keep coming back to kind of the question or we continue to wrestle with. So like, what is our, what is our response? What is our proper response to all of this? Because when you hear about war, I know for myself, it just feels, it feels heavy. And there's this like jerk reaction to be angry and to be scared and to pray but not necessarily Mm -hmm. having the right words that you think are the right words to pray. So I I guess like as we start off our conversation, how do we view all of this through the lens of of faith and belief? Personally, as I've read scriptures, I've encountered this idea. You know, Jesus tells us there will always be wars and rumors of wars, as Tanner's already said in our intro here. And Mm -hmm. living in a sinful world, as much heartache as there is, there will be times when to stop greater evil violence is necessary. I am glad that as a Christian, I am not called to exact that vengeance, that that's why governments are put in place. Now, what we're seeing right now is that there are governments that, you know, create that evil and do those things. But I don't think warfare in and of itself is ever going to go away before the return of Jesus. And I think sometimes there is a just warfare that must be executed when evil there's always mm-hmm. going to be war until the end, right? Like when we read about, you know, the end times, which is sometimes we feel like we're in the middle of it. Um, we don't need to get into that. That's a different episode. That's a different everything. But Well, and I don't know about you, but I've really been caught up with just trying to read the timelines. How did we get here? There have been wars that have happened since World War II, right? There have been invasions, and we can look at even just the tensions from the Cold War, Um, even from the 90s all the way to this point with Russia and the United States and other countries. There's always been something there, one side crossing the other and one side not trusting one another. But honestly, when I'm coming at this war that's happening in Ukraine, immediately, and this is my sinful nature, I want to start blaming the person who's at fault for this. Ultimately, Putin's at fault Mm -hmm. for this, right? Horrible that he is doing something like this, this is pure evil. But then my second thought is, how did we get there to provoke something like this? And so then I'm starting to look at all the different places, the timelines, the treaties, the treaties that we left, the negotiations, foreign policy, all of these things that are important, but yet contribute possibly to this moment of why we are here today. And I, I think we can dive into that for a little bit, but then I realize, well, that's wrong, that I'm going in down this path. And I need to check myself. Ted, I was reminded you sent out a picture, a group of Ukrainians just praying in the street. And the the media got a video of that and they showed that video. And I think you mentioned to something, I'm paraphrasing, that you're just reminded at this very moment, these people are praying, I'm going to join them in prayer Mm -hmm. too. That should be the first response. My heart is to go to prayer, to be on my knees, knowing that there's things that can change through prayer, but my sinful nature does not... Uh, have me do that quite often. So um, I think that's the struggle and tension that I'm in right now. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing too, because I got home, I was, I had, di- I had done an event at Concordia University, Wisconsin. I went home, I went back to the hotel room and then I turned on the news and it was all beginning. Like it was all starting. 
And I just like sat there and I just watched and watched probably until about like one in the morning. And I was just, but it never crossed my mind. It did, but I never took a moment to stop and pray because I was, I was taking in so much of the information. I was taking in so much of what was happening. I was wrestling with it. I even saw the, the photo, the video of the, the group praying on, on the cold stone for their country. And I think I was just kind of in, in shock from it. Still a little bit now too, that this, like, this is what's happening. Like we're, we're going through this now. Like we just went through a pandemic or we're going through a pandemic. Yeah. Oh, there's a war. What's, what else? I don't know. But yeah, our, our first response, you know, going back to what we were talking about, like how do we view war through the lens of a believer? The first thing, the, always the first thing should be to pray is to lay it before God. That really is it, right? That that's that's the thing that's going to change all things and I 100% Because like what can that. you do? Like I, that's that's yeah, the thing that I'm kind of sitting with is like what can I do right now? Like th- and that is what? prayer is and some people are like, you know, thoughts and prayers whatever. For us it is prayer. Like that is the thing. Like I am going to pray about this and I am going to hold the people of Ukraine and even the people of Russia, the people who are saying I didn't want this. Right? Like I and I keep thinking about that as well. Like there are people in in Russia who are like we're not behind this. Like I didn't want yep. this. I didn't want this to happen. So I've been I've been thinking about the the people of Russia a lot too. Of like they didn't ask for this, but yet like now people are going to look at them and be like, "Look what you did." That was it. Wasn't wasn't them? It was the well, and haven't you guys seen the the demonstrations that are yeah. happening in Moscow and Saint Petersburg? Yeah, and people protesting this war and then yeah. just being taken away. It's, it's insane the the type of power that is happening right now. So I really appreciate your understanding, Ted, and your hesitancy at the very beginning of saying sometimes when violence is happening and attacking innocent lives, the only means to be able to combat that would be defense and violence to be able to stop that conflict. But what about prior to all of that? Couldn't this been avoided? Like, How do we as Christians demonstrate and vocalize world peace with foreign policy so that way we're not to this point where we're at right now. And I think there's just so much debate going on with all the domestic policy that's happening and does that interfere with foreign policy? And now we're at this point where innocent lives are being taken away. And that's that's where I get frustrated and that's where I struggle with. So if we look at it from a Christian standpoint, you know, and you get verses of, you know, and their swords will be beaten to plowshares and those kinds of things. I will never look down on someone who personally has has taken a decision to be pacifist. But I think part of our basic confession of faith, you know, so our church, every Sunday we do a confession and absolution. And one of the foundational things that comes right out of the Bible is if we say we are without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, right? And so part of that is there's an idea of Christian utopia that has entered our thought process, both a more right-wing idea of that and a progressive idea of that. That if we just do the right things, well, then there will be peace on earth. And I just think that our confession tells us until Jesus comes back, this world will not be perfect. Because if you look at historically what's going on right now, it has some vibes of Hitler in 1938 when he went in and annexed the Sudetenland. And that's not saying it's an analogous one-to-one, right? That's I'm not, I don't want to draw that, but I want to say but it's the closest comparison that we have to. Yeah, and and you know, there's there's honestly like let's like you said, Phil. Let's not keep ourselves out of it. Let's make sure we look at our own history and say, you know, manifest destiny 
in in the U.S. lens, where we said this country needs to reach from the Atlantic to the Pacific, we did some shady things to make sure it did that. And so I don't know if there was any perfect chess match that would have kept this war from happening. I think that there are definitely things that inflamed it. There are things that calmed it down for a while. But I think the decision to execute this war more and more appears to lean towards the leadership of Russia. Yeah. And I don't know if we could have changed that or not. I was just thinking, like, how do you get war? But when mm-hmm. you mix pride mm-hmm. with fear, you look at, like, you look like someone like um, Putin, right? Pridefulness, fear of, I don't know, not being remembered, not being great. Throwing a little racism. Put all that together, like, bad things are going to happen. Yeah. And with that pride comes money. And we oh, all know yeah. that the money talks. Actually, I wouldn't know. I, uh... I write poetry. So <laughs> I hear I I hear I hear it can say things, but it's never really spoken to me. So can you explain more about that, Phil? How does money talk? Well, uh, not that we have to get into that part, because I think we can all agree upon that, but I think it's amazing. And you're you're right, Ted. Putin has been in office since what, nineteen ninety one? He's been um, moving. And I know he was president and then he prime minister back to president. And then made some things happen so he can be present till 2030. So it's like, <laughs> aka yeah. dictator, you know, too much power there. So all those signs point to that. And I'm glad that I live in a country that we have different presidential mm-hmm. candidates, different governmental leaders that have terms. Now, I wish that was the case with our Senate and House representatives, right, right. but that's another conversation. But it's really healthy to have all these different leaders in place. Some of those leaders made mistakes. Some of them probably, you know, tried to make mm-hmm. the best moves. I don't necessarily want to put it on one particular person because as I was looking at some timelines, there are some questionable decisions that have been made by some of our leaders. And you, you can't always be right with everything with foreign right. policy. But what I'm trying to get at right now, I'm trying to get to my point. Currently within the Biden administration, it concerns me. First of all, that we have changed some of our domestic policy. And I get this. Like, we want to have clean energy, efficient energy. I'm all for that. And, you know, it was a big political move to be able to shut down the Keystone Pipeline. And uh, that was a decision made by our leader. And uh, we pray for our leaders and whether you agree with those things or not, but which really put into play the new line that was happening, um, the Nord Stream 2, where most of our energy is going to be received from there in terms of oil and reserves. So I get it one sense, we want to be clean and ethical and use energy, but knowing Russia's history, that there is a lot of questionable decisions that Putin has made that we don't see eye to eye with some of these things, it, it kind of poses me as Christians, and, and not to make this about you know Christians on the right or left, but some of this stuff could have been avoided, right? And I think that's I think that's what's frustrating to me. So, Phil, just just to to check a fact, are you saying that the U.S. was getting gas from that pipeline? They do receive gas from Russia, not from that pipeline exactly. So they do receive their reserves right. from Russia, which means we're a little bit more dependent upon Russia now. Global economics, I think, is the answer. We you can't be able to have everything in one place. And I think we need to be able to create partnerships. But it was easy to see some of the writing on the wall that, 
hey, we shut down our Keystone pipeline because we have one group of people that want to make sure that we're going all clean energy. When you think about that, that's more clean to use a pipeline right now than to ship it overseas. What it comes down to it is power. So you got someone like Russia being able to capitalize on that market using that money, using that power, whether you agree with what happened in Afghanistan with the, the pullout with the troops and everything, I think Putin saw the opportunity to be like, hey, no one's really going to touch us right now. And Putin being evil like he is, he's like, I'm going to make a plan to be able to overtake Ukraine because Ukraine is a powerful, it's the second largest country in Europe. He wanted to reclaim that for Mother Russia. And so what I'm trying to get at is, at what point do we say something as Christians of saying, not all this stuff is clean and perfect, but at the same time, we know that corruption is going to happen from that. So then what do you say to the previous administration that weakened our ties with Ukraine? What, what part? What year are you talking about? I'm talking about, so we just talked Biden. And you've got a good point. You've got a good point. How do we as Christians express ourselves in foreign policy, which is a weird thing to think about, right? Because it becomes that Christian citizenship of saying, okay, if if I understand, you know, as Paul writes to the church in Philippi, a very patriotic city-state, and he says, hey, don't forget, your number one citizenship is heaven, yep. right? And so if we remember that, we say our number one citizenship is heaven, but I'm called to be a good citizen where I am. I think you have a really good point, Phil, of saying, how do we then offer a careful and thought out critique of foreign policy? Mm -hmm. And what you've just put forward, I think, is is a good thing. If we're going to lean into putting money into certain governments, we need to realize what that money is going to do. But part of what you just posited was to say, now, because we did that, that's why Putin attacked Ukraine. Also, the previous administration, Trump's administration, weakened ties with Ukraine that would have been a... In what ways did they weaken ties with Ukraine? So there was a pullback on NATO in general. Well, because you, Ukraine can't join NATO. That's the big controversy. No, yeah. no, I know. I know. I'm, I'm getting there. Let me, draw you, let me draw you my dots All right, let's here. go. You weaken NATO, right? So if you weaken NATO, you weaken the response to that balance of power in Europe. Yep. Then the U.S. was selling weapon systems to Ukraine. Well, part of the impeachment process of Trump was that he stopped those weapon sales and aid, monetary aid, because they he asked for what he called a quid or what was called a quid pro quo. Well, I do it, but he didn't get impeached for that though. Yes, he did. He didn't get impeached. Yes, he did. He got impeached for yeah. I, I right just there? read about it this week. I'm just, okay, glad that you fact-checked So <laughs> It's confusing when you got a president that's been impeached twice. It's like, wait, when did this happen? You know, it's like it's all over the place. Yeah. Well, and, and part of it is not like this isn't even for me. This isn't even a Trump-Biden thing now because, like you said, it's learning mm -hmm. the timeline, right? And, and that's, that's part of it, too, because I go, yeah, I'm not a big fan of us just shipping weapons everywhere, right? That that is our industrial complex as a christian like it I, I i i love people who have served i have deep friendships with people who have served but i get worried when not the military but the making of arms and weapons becomes a cornerstone of our economy because then you got to sell it other places there's a lot of those things and we're cracking into a lot of things that are Really tough issues. Well, I think it's important that you still bring it up. And and obviously when Trump's yeah. going in there, he's trying to get divulged 
information of what's going on with Hunter Biden and all that stuff going on. And, and obviously you don't, you don't do stuff like that. And that's the reason why things escalated. Well, and that was the impeachment, right? Was that he was trying to get an investigation. And, and again, this is less thinking about what he did and more saying, were dominoes falling before now? Because even you could go back to the Bush administration and say, Bush was the one who said, oh, there's a possibility of Ukraine being in NATO. What warning bells did that send up in Moscow? Then you have the invasion of Crimea, where Obama just kind of was like, okay, you know, there you go. So does that embolden Putin to say, oh, the West isn't going to do anything? And then you you keep going in, like, because then you go to, okay, well, what do we do? Because we've been doing the sanctions. We've been, because the the question is, do, I've seen a couple different political folks saying, we need to impose a no-fly zone. Well, then then we're going into war then. Yeah, in certain situations, a no-fly zone basically protects an area, right? When... When um, the UN imposes a no-fly zone, they're able to stem a conflict. But this would be, from everything I've seen, this would be an act of war, right? Because we would end up shooting down Russian planes. So, And I'm glad I'm not paid to do it. But as a Christian, I don't know where I what I'm supposed to do. Because what I also see is all the images coming out right now of indiscriminate fire on civilians. I mean, there's war crimes happening all over the place. It's horrible. So I've been quiet for about 10 minutes because I've been learning a lot about the things that I probably should have known about, but I had no idea because the world is a big place and a lot of things are going on all the time. And how do you know what is true and how do you know what's happening? We've had episodes about that as well. So let's kind of pull ourselves out of the weeds here because I think we went pretty far deep into it, which is good because like war doesn't just happen. There's all these series of events before it that lead up to it. And then there is a tipping point and then it continues to tip and continues to spill. Like anytime we open up, Twitter or anything right now, it's all Ukraine. It's all Russia. It's all it's all hard to read. So, like, where do we go from here? Like, what do we do with all of this, I guess? Well, and I think it's important with what we just talked about, too. There, there's, you can't, like, just go back and change all of it. Like, there's... Yeah. It, it's really messy. This isn't a Marvel movie. We just can't undo everything. Yeah. <sighs> That'd be so great. But we have to be able to step forward in some ways. Generosity comes to mind. How so? Mm-hmm. What do you mean by generosity? Not only are we giving to people like from our countries, giving to other countries, you know, to Ukraine. How am I personally being generous and helping out people over there that are going through that conflict? Uh, Ted, we, we have a good friend who is a missionary over in Ukraine. And, you know, I've liked everything on his Married family. to Ukrainian yeah, woman. Exactly. And my first response should be, Hey, Scott, how can I help? Where is money needed right now? How can we help with resources? Because that ultimately is going to be transformational for people that there's people willing enough to give up and sacrifice their own to be able to help others. You know, I love thoughts and prayers, but thoughts and prayers only go a certain distance with some people. I'm sure they're appreciative, but usually when it comes with action, that speaks to people. So that has to be my response right now, what I do next as a Christian. And I think it's important for us to be generous with our reactions, you know, not just like generalizing things or tearing down the people of Russia who had nothing to do with this, but to be generous with, I don't know, how how we talk about other countries because we've done a really bad job of that in the past. And a lot of that's been brought up in the last two years of how we've just kind of lumped people into groups based off of appearance or where they're where they're from. I think that's really that's really good, Phil. I think too there's 
something I'm noticing in myself of like treating it. I've caught myself a couple times. It feels like, you know, a sporting event where you're like cheering for your team. And I think the way we consume media in the U.S., we have to be aware that I think we can put out hope. Like I honestly pray for the Ukrainians as the attack against an aggressor Mm. and rejoice when you see them saving lives I think uh, Zelensky, their president, is writing the manual on leadership in our day and age. Yeah, he's making the um, history books for sure. Yeah, and that guy, you know, is just incredible. I think we're seeing people step up and say, this is our country, so we're going to defend it. There's a refugee crisis that's going to be happening. But how long were the Russians shelling Syria? And I didn't think about it. Yep. How many wars are happening in terms of tribal wars um, in Africa, and I didn't think about it. How you know? How long has Ethiopia been struggling with intertribal violence, and I haven't thought about it. And I think that revealed some of my own biases. I do think the access to media is much higher in Ukraine, but there have been some good stories pointing out why do we care? Not to say we we shouldn't care, but why does it appear our level of care is so much higher here than in other places? And I think if we as Americans are going to be frustrated with what what is going on, we have to make sure policy-wise, like Phil was saying, we have to make sure we're looking at how our military is used as well to say we should have these discussions. We should be having these to say, is our military indiscriminately being used in poor ways? And and I think there's that's the tension I'm feeling in myself is – even as I pray for the people of Ukraine, even as I hope for their victory and hope for a healthy outcome here, there has been a lot of... Now, I think that the use of language around nuclear weapons as well has drawn us in much deeper than maybe other places. Well, and like as you're talking, as you're saying, you know, like it kind of feels like we're, we're cheering for a, a sports team. I mean, when you talk about all the things that are happening around the world, like this is... This is like the Super Bowl, right? Like a major player is doing something, right? And that's not fair to say right. to the other countries. They, I mean, obviously they still matter, but like this is getting the attention. The other ones, I remember turning on the news and not hearing about them. This is all mm-hmm. over because I think part of it is we could be, we could be part of this. Well, and, and to allude with what you're saying, even prior to that, Ted. Uh, it's an attack on Western culture. So we're obviously up in arms. We see Ukrainian history kind of making that shift toward being more Western in terms of freedom. And that gets us up in arms because they're, I mean, they've been, they've been kind of in the middle. I get that. But yeah, now they're really fighting for something and they're going against something injustice. So we're up in arms. You got nuclear weapons in place and that's freaking people out including myself. When this first started, I started telling everyone and some people are just like, oh, okay. I'm like, no, this is a big deal. Like this could be World War III. Like I don't really freak out about a lot of foreign policy stuff, but this made me really anxious yeah. uh, and because I, of what's at stake. And that's, I agree. I think there are reasons for it to be more in our forefront. I just caught myself realizing, you know, when Jesus says there will always be wars and rumors of wars to look and say, how fortunate have I been to live in a place where I've never been worried that my house is going to get shelled at some mm-hmm. point or that soldiers are going to be walking down my street. Yep. 
And I think that's where I caught myself was like trying to to shake the idea and be like, this is a war. This isn't cheering on a side, but also to slow down and say, I need to see how how fortunate I have been and to acknowledge that not for any other reason than just to say I've been given much. So I, I need to be expected of much, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. all heavy. I, and I yeah. don't really know what else to say. I mean, Lord have mercy. That feels like a good thing to say. In our 80 years, whatever those end up being, plus or minus some, this is a major event. And I take solace in the fact of saying, but this has always been in the world. This isn't the first major war. It won't be the last major war. And so I just live in that knowledge. And Jesus is still greater than all of it. Mm -hmm. So how do we live that out then? How do we voice that? How do we show that? Amen, brother. I'm with you. But there's got to be some sort of actionable step. Well, when I figure it out, Phil, I'll let you know. <laughs> That's coming out. That's coming out when we release a book, when the podcast releases a book. So keep an eye out for that as well. That's it. We'll give you the secrets. If we do a book, I'm not writing it because I know you guys don't trust my grammar. Well, we know that. Okay. Just putting that out there. You could stick my bald head on the cover or whatever you want to do, and I can give maybe like two good points, but that's it. That's it. I I don't know. I don't know what to do except for pray, and I guess yeah, that's it. And when I figure something out, I'll let you know, but as of right now, I think, I think praying is a good start. I have another question. How do we as Christians Ooh. respond on social media about the war? My rule is kind of keep everything very neutral because I'm not having a conversation with anyone. And I know we're doing a podcast and we're putting some of our opinions out there. And that kind of scares me at times that people are hearing some of my thoughts without having the conversation with me. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a lot to be said with what we're posting, what we're sharing. And sometimes it's a, it's a good share, but who knows if that's disinformation or misinformation that way. How do we live in that world as Christians and how do we respond? You don't have to say everything. I think that's that's the falsehood is that you need to share. You need to put something in your profile. You need to, if you feel called to, you can. But I think it's okay to just struggle with it. I know, like, Phil, you're pushing actionable steps. And, like, honestly, I don't, I think sometimes there aren't actionable steps. And not to say there aren't right now. I just don't see them where I am. And I think social media-wise, I don't know, man. Uh, it's it's a whole new ball game, right? Like everything has to be fact checked and triple fact checked, and who knows? I guess the one big actionable step that we all can take is don't become a major world leader and attack another country. Oh, listen, dude! Now we can end done that. exactly done. You're so smart. See, Keep you thought up, you didn't have a lot to contribute, but here you are, Tanner. I had a solid. Solid. I mean, going back to our conversation in Phoenix, we were bouncing off each other. We were playing. I was in the conversation. When y'all started talking about foreign policy, I was like, I just, you know, I can't really keep up with this. Like, you guys are running in a direction that I've never gone. So, anyways, <laughs> this was this was a good conversation. And, again, we didn't disagree on a lot because what's I hope that there – I'm glad we didn't disagree on a lot, like, about this conversation. I think there are a lot more questions than there are anything else. And I think a big thing, too, is – if you need to just take a deep breath and talk to somebody, find somebody to sit and talk and kind of decompress. I like that. And I like the fact that I was able to talk about it with you guys and just decompress because a lot of things I bottled in. Yeah. And granted, now everyone's going to hear my thoughts. But 
that's okay. It, I, it honestly was an honest conversation with you guys and with me admitting, yes, I get frustrated. I get anxious. I, I'm looking for the hypocrisy, wanting to point the finger. And I know that's wrong. And again, I also know that I can't have all the answers, but to be able to talk with you guys is super helpful. So thanks. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode of Everyday Elephants. Make sure to like and subscribe to our podcast. You can find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. You can go ahead and leave a five-star review for the podcast as well and share it with a friend. Have an elephant in the room that you would like for us to discuss? Well, send us a message. We would love we'd love to talk about it. We're looking forward to set, putting out more podcasts over the next couple of weeks, so keep an eye out. So until next time, I'm Tanner. I'm Phil. And I'm Ted. It's our Everyday Elephant. Everyday Elephant.